in Brandenburg v. Ohio, a KKK leader who spoke at an Ohio rally in 1969 was convicted of violating a state law that prohibited speech that advocated the duty, necessity, or propriety of sabotage, violence, or unlawful methods of terrorism as a means of accomplishing industrial or political reform. The court ruled that the First Amendment does not allow a state to prohibit the advocacy of the use of force or of law violation, except where such advocacy is likely to incite or produce such action. While the court ruled that this standard was not met in this case, the opinion of the court established the current legal standard in similar cases. It's called the imminent lawless action test, and it has always been a difficult standard for prosecutors to meet. As a result, the protection of advocacy speech and free speech in general in America was greatly expanded. The ruling overturned the conviction of the leader of an extremely unpopular hate group who said things that were terribly racist and bigoted and hateful. But, said the court, he did not say things that were likely to cause imminent lawless action. And now, the 1969 per curiam opinion of the court in Brandenburg v. Ohio. Per curiam. The appellant, a leader of a Ku Klux Klan group, was convicted under the Ohio Criminal Syndicalism Statute for advocating the duty, necessity, or propriety of crime, sabotage, violence, or unlawful methods of terrorism as a means of accomplishing industrial or political reform and for voluntarily assembling with any society, group, or assemblage of persons formed to teach or advocate the doctrines of criminal syndicalism. He was fined $1,000 and sentenced to one 10 years imprisonment. The appellant challenged the constitutionality of the criminal syndicalism statute under the First and Fourteenth Amendments to the United States Constitution. But the Intermediate Appellate Court of Ohio affirmed his conviction without opinion. The Supreme Court of Ohio dismissed his appeal sua sponte for the reason that no substantial constitutional question exists herein. It did not file an opinion or explain its conclusions. Appeal was taken to this court, and we noted probable jurisdiction. We reverse. The record shows that a man, identified at trial as the appellant, telephoned an announcer reporter on the staff of a Cincinnati television station and invited him to come to a Ku Klux Klan rally to be held at a farm in Hamilton County. With the cooperation of the organizers, the reporter and a cameraman attended the meeting and filmed the events. Portions of the films were later broadcast on the local station and on a national network. The prosecution's case rested on the films and on testimony identifying the appellant 
as the person who communicated with the reporter and who spoke at the rally. The state also introduced into evidence several articles appearing in the film, including a pistol, a rifle, a shotgun, ammunition, a Bible, and a red hood worn by the speaker in the films. One film showed twelve hooded figures, some of whom carried firearms. They were gathered around a large wooden cross, which they burned. No one was present other than the participants and the newsmen who made the film. Most of the words uttered during the scene were incomprehensible when the film was projected, but scattered phrases could be understood that were derogatory of Negroes, and in one instance, of Jews. Another scene on the same film showed the appellant in clan regalia making a speech. The speech, in full, was as follows. This is an organizer's meeting. We have had quite a few members here today, which are... We have hundreds, hundreds of members throughout the state of Ohio. I can quote from a newspaper clipping from the Columbus, Ohio Dispatch five weeks ago Sunday morning. The Klan has more members in the state of Ohio than does any other organization. We're not a revengeant organization, but if our president, our Congress, our Supreme Court continues to suppress the white Caucasian race, it's possible that there might have to be some revengeance taken. We are marching on Congress July the 4th, 400,000 strong. From there, we are dividing into two groups, one group to march on St. Augustine, Florida, the other group to march into Mississippi. Thank you. The second film showed six hooded figures, one of whom, later identified as the appellant, repeated a speech very similar to that recorded on the first film. The reference to the possibility of revengeance was omitted, and one sentence was added. Quote, Personally, I believe the N-word should be returned to Africa, the Jew returned to Israel. Though some of the figures in the films carried weapons, the speaker did not. The Ohio Criminal Syndicalism Statute was enacted in 1919. From 1917 to 1920, identical or quite similar laws were adopted by 20 states and two territories. In 1927, this court sustained the constitutionality of California's Criminal Syndicalism Act, the text of which is quite similar to that of the laws of Ohio. The court upheld the statute on the ground that without more, advocating violent means to effect political and economic change involves such danger to the security of the state that the state may outlaw it. But Whitney has been thoroughly discredited by later decisions. 
These later decisions have fashioned the principle that the constitutional guarantees of free speech and free press do not permit a state to forbid or proscribe advocacy of the use of force or of law violation, except where such advocacy is directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action, and is likely to incite or produce such action. A statute which fails to draw this distinction impermissibly intrudes upon the freedoms guaranteed by the First and Fourteenth Amendments. It sweeps within its condemnation speech which our Constitution has immunized from governmental control. Measured by this test, Ohio's Criminal Syndicalism Act cannot be sustained. The Act punishes persons who advocate or teach the duty, necessity, or propriety of violence as a means of accomplishing industrial or political reform, or who publish or circulate or display any book or paper containing such advocacy, or who justify the commission of violent acts with intent to exemplify, spread, or advocate the propriety of the doctrines of criminal syndicalism, or who voluntarily assemble with a group formed to teach or advocate the doctrines of criminal syndicalism. Neither the indictment nor the trial judge's instructions to the jury in any way refined the statute's bald definition of the crime in terms of mere advocacy, not distinguished from incitement to imminent lawless action. Accordingly, we are here confronted with a statute which, by its own words and as applied, purports to punish mere advocacy and to forbid, on pain of criminal punishment, assembly with others merely to advocate the described type of action. Such a statute falls within the condemnation of the First and Fourteenth Amendments. The contrary teaching of Whitney v. California cannot be supported, and that decision is therefore overruled. Reversed. We've come to the end of the opinion. Until next episode, thanks for listening to What SCOTUS Wrote Us.